Long History, the Southern United States in the 1500s, Part 25, Rewarding Their Escape. Hello everyone, welcome and we've made it to the final part of Long History's The Southern United States in the 1500s. This is the final part of a text which described an expedition from the mid-1500s to explore large parts of the southerly United States. The expedition included Florida, Arkansas and most of the states in between, and after initially being headed by a man called Hernando de Soto, but as the expedition ends it's headed by another man called Luis de Moscoso. The expedition began in April 1538 and ended in 1543. This text was written by a Portuguese man who took part in the expedition, known as the Gentleman of Elvers. Welcome to any new listeners, but you've come across this particular document in its last episode, so if you want to start from the beginning, I'm sure it's just a few clicks and scrolls away. And another document will be starting soon, so don't forget to subscribe to be informed of when that begins. Now the remaining expedition members actually made it back to the Spanish-speaking world in the previous episode, when they made it to what could be called a frontier town, which is called Panico in this text, but it's called Panuco on present-day maps. And as this episode begins, those expedition members make the journey from Panico to the great city as it's called here of Mestitam, which is Mexico City. So here we go with the southern United States in the 1500s, part 25, the final episode, rewarding their escape. Chapter 43. The favour the people found in the Viceroy and residence of Mexico. From Panico to the great city of Mestitam, there are 60 leagues, and as many leagues from each to the port of Veracruz, which is where the embarkations take place for Spain, and where those who go hence to New Spain arrive. These three towns, equidistant, are inhabited by Spaniards and form a triangle, Veracruz on the south, Panico on the east, and Mexico, which is inland, on the west. The country is so populous that the Indian towns farthest apart are not more than half a league to a league from each other. Some of the people who came from Florida remained in Panico, reposing a month, others fifteen days, and such time as each pleased, for no one turned a grudging face to his guest, but, on the contrary, gave him of everything he had, and appeared sad at his leave-taking, which may well enough be believed, for the provision the natives brought in payment of their tribute more than sufficed for consumption, so that there was no one in that town to buy or to sell, and few Spaniards being there, the inhabitants were glad of company. All the clothing in the custody of the alcalde mayor, paid to him there as the emperor's tax, he divided among those that would go to receive any. He who had a coat of mail was happy, since for it a horse might be had in exchange. Some got mounted, and those not able to get beasts, who were the greater number, took up the journey on foot. They were well received by the Indians, and better served than they could have been at their own homes particularly in respect of everything to eat. For, if an Indian was asked for a fowl, he would bring four. And if for any sort of fruit, though it might be a league off, someone would run to fetch it. And were a Christian ill, the people would carry him, in a chair, from their own to the next town. Wheresoever they came, the cacique of the place, through an Indian who bears a rod of justice in his hand, they call tapile, which is equivalent to say meirinho, ordered provisions to be brought and men for the load of such things as there were, and the others necessary to carry the invalids. The viceroy sent a Portuguese to them, twenty leagues from Mexico, with quantity of confections, raisins, pomegranates, and other matters proper for the sick, should they need them, and, in advance, ordered that all should be clothed at the royal charge. The news of their approach being known to the citizens, they went out on the highway to receive them, 
and with great courtesy entreated for their companionship as favour, each one taking to his house as many as he dared, giving them for raiment all the best he could, the least well-dressed wearing clothes worth thirty cruzados and upward. Clothing was given to those who chose to go for it to the residence of the Viceroy, and the persons of condition ate at his board. At his house was a table for all those of less rank that would eat there. Directly he informed himself of the quality of each one, that he might show him the consideration that was his due. Some of the conquistadors placed them all down to table together, fidalgos and boors, oftentimes seating the servant and his master shoulder to shoulder, which was done mostly by artisans and men of mean condition. Those better bred, asking who each one was and making a difference in persons. Nevertheless, all did the best they could with goodwill, telling those they had under their roofs that they could bring no impoverishment, nor should they hesitate to receive whatsoever they offered, since they had found themselves in like condition when others had assisted them, such being the fortunes of the country. God reward them, and those whom he saw fit should escape, coming out of Florida to tread the soil of Christians. Be he pleased that they live to serve him, and to the dead, and to all those who believe in him, confess that in him is their faith, grant, through his compassion, the glory of paradise. Amen. Chapter 44, which sets forth some of the diversities and peculiarities of Florida, and the fruit, birds and beasts of the country. From the port of Espiritu Santo, where the Christians went on shore, to the province of Osute, which may be a distance of 400 leagues, a little more or less, the country is very level, having many ponds, dense thickets, and, in places, tall pine trees. The soil is light, and there is not in it a mountain nor a hill. The land of Osute is more strong and fertile than the rest, the forest more open, and it has very good fields along the margins of the rivers. From there to Cutifachiqui are about 130 leagues, of which 80 leagues are of desert and pine forests, through which run great rivers. From Cutifachiqui to Huala, there may be 250 leagues, and all a country of mountains. The places themselves are on high-level ground, and have good fields upon the streams. Thence onward, through Chiaja, Cosa and Talise, the country of which is flat, dry and strong, yielding abundance of maize, to Tascalusa, may be 250 leagues and thence to Rio Grande, a distance of about 300 leagues, the land is low, abounding in lakes. The country afterward is higher, more open, and more populous than any other in Florida, and along the River Grande, from Aquijo to Bacaja and Coligoa, a distance of 150 leagues. The land is level, the forest open, and in places the fields very fertile and inviting. From Coligoa to Autiamque, maybe 250 leagues of mountainous country. Thence to Guacay, maybe 230 leagues of level ground, and the region to Daikao, a distance of 120 leagues, is continuously of mountainous lands. From the port of Espiritu Santo to Apalache, they marched west and northeast. From Cutifachiqui to Huala, north, to Cosa, westwardly, and thence to Tascalusa and the River Grande, as far as the provinces of Quizquiz and Aquijo, to the westward. From thence to Pacaja, northwardly, to Tula, westwardly, to Autiamque, southwardly, and as far as the province of Quachoya and Daikao. The bread that is eaten through all Florida is made of maize, which is like coarse millet, 
and in all the islands and Indias belonging to Castile, beginning with the Antillas, grows this grain. There are in the country many walnuts likewise, and plums, mulberries and grapes. The maize is planted and picked in, each person having his own field. Fruit is common for all, because it grows abundantly in the woods, without any necessity of setting out trees or pruning them. Where there are mountains, the chestnut is found, the fruit of which is somewhat smaller than the one of Spain. Westward of the Rio Grande, the walnut differs from that which is found before coming there, being of tenderer shell, and in form like an acorn, while that behind, from the river back to the port of Espiritu Santo, is generally rather hard, the tree and the nut being in their appearance like those of Spain. There is everywhere in the country a fruit, the produce of a plant like Liguacam, that is propagated by the Indians, having the appearance of the royal pear with an agreeable smell and taste, and likewise another plant to be seen in the fields, bearing a fruit like strawberry, near to the ground, and is very agreeable. The plums are of two sorts, vermilion and grey, of the form and size of walnuts, having three or four stones in them. They are better than any plums that are raised in Spain, and make much better prunes. The grapes only appear to need dressing, for although large, they have great stones. The other fruits are all in great perfection, and are less unhealthy than those of Spain. There are many lions and bears in Florida, wolves, deer, jackals, cats and rabbits, numerous wild fowl as large as peafowl, small partridges like those of Africa, and cranes, ducks, pigeons, thrushes and sparrows. There are blackbirds larger than sparrows and smaller than stairs, hawks, goshawks, falcons and all the birds of rapine to be found in Spain. The Indians are well proportioned. Those of the level country are taller and better shaped of form than those of the mountains. Those of the interior enjoy a greater abundance of maize and clothing than those of the coast, where the land is poor and thin and the people along it more warlike. The direction from the port of Espiritu Santo to Apalache and thence to Rio de las Palmas, is from east to west. From that river towards New Spain, it is southwardly, the sea coast being gentle, having many shoals and high sandhills. Deo gratias. This relation of the discovery of Florida was printed in the house of André de Burgos, printer and caballero, of the house of the Señor Cardinal Ifante. It was finished on the 10th day of February, of the year 1557 in the noble and ever-loyal city of Evora. So the remaining men make their way back to Mexico City, but there isn't particularly a sense of this happening in one event, rather it happens in dribs and drabs, some of the men staying in Panuco a number of days. And although the return of these um, expedition members is clearly welcomed, there isn't however a sense of great celebration. And if we remember many episodes ago, when Hernando de Soto was constantly looking for better and richer lands. If that was the aim of the expedition, then it didn't really succeed in its purpose, which perhaps leads to this slightly muted ending. After that, the Gentleman of Elvis gives us a summary of the lands that were explored, and then this text, and this long journey from Florida up to North Carolina, over to Tennessee, down to Alabama, up to Arkansas, then down, dipping into Texas, and then back to the Mississippi in Arkansas, comes to an end. So thank you for listening to this, the final episode of the Southern United States in the 1500s. 
As always, we're going to leave this document for a while and then we'll come back with the top 10 events and the top 10 surprises that took place in this document. So watch out for those. As always, if you've made it this far, please do give this episode a like. Don't forget to subscribe to be informed of the next document when it's released. So thank you for accompanying us on this long journey through the Americas in the 1500s, where we heard some of the earliest ever descriptions written by Europeans of these lands and people. Thank you and goodbye.